Hello and welcome back to the 001 Radio Gamescast, episode number 49. As always, I am your host, Ryan, and today I'm joined by my lovely duo of co-hosts, Alex. Why, hello, Ryan. Pleasure to be here. And Wyatt. Wyatt? Wyatt? <laughs> Wyatt. I killed him. It's me. Oh. Ah, oh, we. I'm sorry. Why it appears to have been lost to the ether for this episode, which He's is funny. Atomized. Because <laughs> th- this is actually one of the scenarios where we, we can do a story time for the uh, the opener. Because why it? We had to reschedule this episode to to allow Brett to be here, but we had all confirmed that all four of us were were good for this new day, and why it suddenly had a meeting pop up last minute. Now, just two minutes ago. Wyatt has has let us know that that meeting got cancelled. <laughs> mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we had already re- reworked the topic of this episode to be Wyatt's personal hell. <laughs> Which he did not want to be here for, for some reason. <laughs> so this episode, we will be going crazy and talking about all the things Wyatt doesn't like. JRPGs. <laughs> Any game that isn't a AAA Western game. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, dude, that's a deep cut. This is- why- why is he not here? This is the- the, the Comedy Central roast of Wyatt. <laughs> All he'd be Come doing on. is going, oh, every like five minutes. <laughs> why would just be so sad. Cries. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, and then, and then the occasionally, but I don't like that. <laughs> yes, be great. yes. I would love it. Hmm. What was that, Brett? What, what did you have? While while he can't be here to to suffer like that in real time, he could definitely come back and watch this. Honestly, literally, he could be. Listening he might be right watching now. right now, and it would be great. <laughs> uh, all right, and this does mean we will be resuming the Final Fantasy uh, Tournament our- of Champions next week on next week's episode. So that way, we are all doing it in real time and having reactions. Uh, but yes. for this week, this this is a little game I would like to play with everyone. Uh, it's an award to give out, but it's also a game. Uh, and so I want us to come up with the Wyatt's Personal Hell Award. Oh. And this is a gaming-related thing that Wyatt would have to do that would be his personal hell. Just deeply disturbing to him. Now, I, I think I've, I can kick us off to give an example uh, being forced to play every Final Fantasy game in order, start to finish. Like marathoning them? Yeah. Yeah, marathoning the Final Fantasy games, I don't think Wyatt could do it. But I think he would... <laughs> I think after a solid five minutes, and that includes the MMOs, both MMOs, so... I want to see it. I want to see Wyatt try to finish Final Fantasy fifteen. <laughs> hmm... Saying something bad about Titanfall 2. Oh, he would not be able to do that. I think he would probably die before he would actually legitimately let those words spill from his lips. Mm-hmm. All right, Brett. What's your uh, um, your contribution? I'm going to kind of kind of aping off the the first example that you came up with, Ryan, uh playing every uh every Ace Combat game in a marathon. Isn't like flight know, games? He he loves vehicle combat. Uh, loves flight games. Son of a pilot! Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I mean, he played Star Wars Squadrons for a pretty good amount. He could probably do Ace Combat. I, think I would he still could be surprised. Do Combat. I don't think he could do Final Fantasy. I, I think he would keel over and just stop after the first it's, game. It's, well, His yeah, heart would just cease. Especially starting at the first one. Like the first one is like that. That is an old game. That is, there is some archaic. No, was that the the first Final Fantasy game was in color, right? Barely. That's yeah, that's an NES barely. game, right? I believe so. Ooh. It's also the one that came to the U.S. or didn't come to the U.S. for a while because the U.S. got Final Fantasy three as Final Fantasy mm-hmm. first, mm. which then confused the naming scheme for a while. <laughs> so it's been would an interesting be a- history. Would he be okay with Chrono Trigger? I feel like we've recommended that before. I've I think he could do it. Him so many times, but he's just said no every time. It's uh, he doesn't like pixel art for one thing, so that's oh probably my why. God, but. Oh my god! <laughs> Look, we love Wyatt, but he is very peculiar, very specific in his tastes, and does not like many other types of styles, including primarily anything Japanese at all. This includes games, media, all of it. Alright, so what I would like to do this episode is is take a deep dive into some of our favorite games that Wyatt would most likely maybe not hate, but Comment sarcastically about and then not say anything else because he had never played them. So <laughs> and, and he'd never want to play. And never want to play. Yeah. Just by looking at them, he would go, eh. Eh. All right. Eh. But before that, we do have some news from this week. Uh, some interesting things have happened the past few weeks involving a studio called uh, Frogwares and Nacon. So I don't know if you two have, have heard at all about this. But Are they a subsidiary of Goo exclamation point? <laughs> close. <laughs> Pretty close. Uh, so The Sinking City is a Lovecraftian style game that came out a, a little while yes. ago and succinctly vanished from Steam uh, at, at a certain point just kind of gone. It has now reappeared under Nacon as a publisher Uh including a bunch of DLC and things and like very obviously not the main release because it doesn't have steam achievements. It doesn't have uh, trading cards. It's like all the stuff that was steam enabled in the old game is just now suddenly disabled. So Weird. it's very clearly not oh. the main thing. It apparently what's going on is some kind of publishing disagreement between Frogwares and Nacon themselves. Uh, and what happened is that Nacon argued to the court that until the trial finishes, they have they still have the rights to sell the game so it was put back up on steam without consulting the developers because they're supposedly using a ripped drm free copy that has been re-uploaded to steam that they could make no changes to hmm so essentially they pirated a game that a studio they have a publishing deal with is happening now of course whether or not it was legal for the studio to take the game off of Steam in the first place is still also under um, under discussion. <laughs> it hasn't really been determined yet. But by this point, The Sinking City has been re-removed from Steam after, according to the IGN title, the developer has published, or the publisher has pirated the game and re-released it. That's like, 
oh my god <laughs> and and the big argument here for why they can't do this because you they do have a bit of truth to the idea that they still have the rights to sell it um but they don't have the rights to sell the dlc and the mm. the rip they had included the dlc um so they were essentially selling the complete edition of the game at a massive sale it like went on 60 percent sale immediately um so very cheap with all the dlc and all the extra content which is stuff that is not meant to be uh, or not in their publishing agreement essentially so that has led to the delisting again and now that situation has not yet been resolved so uh I'll, i'm curious to see what this turns out to probably in a month or so <laughs> Knowing how long these publishing trials take. Jeez. That's that is yeah. that's wonky. It is a, a very weird scenario that I, I don't think I've ever seen a game like have its developer and its publisher at odds this much over it even being up for sale. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And and a lot of the reason it was removed is suspected that um Nacon is not following the agreement of the publishing contract. They're not uh, giving the right amounts to Frogwares, uh, which we have no proof of yet on either side because, like, obviously those numbers can't be shared with anyone but the legal teams right now, so we don't know either way if that's true. Uh, but Nacon has specifically worded things to not, not to say that they've upheld their side of the contract, but to say, like, they have given Frogwares over a million dollars in profit. That sounds like a lot, but, like, split that between a bunch of different developers and studio costs, yeah. and then... Mm realize that maybe that isn't nearly as much as they think it is, and it may not be the full amount that they were owed. Uh, and we also don't know if even that is true. So there's a lot of disagreements going on here, and we'll see how that turns out. Uh, so I don't know if any of you guys are following Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, no. So we got some interesting news, uh, which is actually pretty cool. So oh. Hogwarts Legacy is going to have a trans-inclusive character creation. Like, specifically cool. aimed to include trans characters. Now, huh. the the cut... The, the bad side of this is that the oh. reason this is happening is likely because J.K. Rowling made a bunch of transphobic comments. I was gonna say, yeah. And that a, makes sense. one of the producers of the game supported Gamergate. So, there's a bunch of... There's a big can of worms. Oh underneath God, this so many words <laughs> but at the surface the level uh what this means is that in character creation um body type voice and witch or wizard terminology to refer to the character is all separated uh good yeah i am all for that at, at least all that bad stuff ended up accumulating into something that is good because man um <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow and, so, Unfortunately, it's not 2021. Uh, it's 2020-2. So, <laughs> woe is my woe is my uh, fantasy football game score. Look, let's just hope that we don't run into 2020, 2021, 2020 returns. So, <laughs> hopefully, this isn't a uh, the Final Fantasy 13 of years. All right. Oh no. So there was one other very fantasy. interesting piece of, of rumor mill stuff coming out. Uh, both of you guys are familiar with a little-known Japanese company called Nintendo, I presume. I've never heard of them. 
Oh wow! Yeah, I, maybe like in, in passing. I'm, I'm yeah, not they too make sure. a they make Hanafuda cards, you know, to play. At oh Koi yeah. Koi. So they've also sup- suspiciously put in orders to buy rigid OLED displays from Samsung uh, that are supposedly for a new Switch model um, planned this year. Why this model is this? supposedly capable of 4K output when docked. Uh, oh, probably not 4K native resolution, but 4K output. Um, wait, 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 wait a second. Yeah. When it's docked, can't you not see the screen? Well, 4K no, output like to a screen. To, yeah, the OLED to panels are still 720p. Uh, um, they're still 720p, but this is a supposedly very big support of a Switch Pro coming out, and it's uh, suspected to begin mass production in. June. So that likely means we won't be seeing them until probably holiday, if not later, uh, at the earliest. But we are getting more and more rumors of a Switch Pro and seeing like the state of some games coming out. I'm not surprised. Like uh, Monster Hunter Rise, especially being like a big title that's coming out soon, um, which runs pretty well, but it's also coming out on PC next year. So I would guess that maybe that'll coincide with the Switch Pro appearance uh, and like a up, up-resed version of the game coming out. Mm. But yeah, the, it's a lot more evidence that we're going to be getting a Switch Pro if not this year, then early next year. And that makes sense with timelines too because the Switch has been out for a little over four years at this point. So Yeah, it's getting getting old. It's hitting around the, the point when like the, the 2DS or the DS got the... Uh, or the 3DS got the 3DS new, the new 3DS. Really? Huh. Yeah, so we're, we're hitting close to that point. So it's not surprising that they're working on this, but I hope they actually are considering uh, how many times the Switch Pro has been rumored and not released. So we'll see if this actually happens. All right. That is our, our, our weekly news. Aside from a bunch of Monster Hunter stuff that came out this morning, uh, which I don't want to bore everyone with, it's very cool, but it's all Monster Hunter stuff. Although I will say, uh, Monster Hunter Stories 2, looking real good, and it puts Pokemon to shame for how good it looks on a Switch. So, (laughs) I am hoping, for the sake of my fantasy Critic League, (laughs) that it reviews well. Uh, Alright, with that... Let's jump into the conversation of all things that Wyatt dislikes. Who wants to start us right. off? Who gets who who's got something that they think Wyatt would would personally just feel offended looking at? Just looking at mm. Oh. And I, funnily I mean, enough, I'm... Wyatt did actually start playing Final Fantasy VII <laughs> remake. The, the remake, the, the remake. Yeah, the remake I... before this episode. But still, I, not I... enough. I I wish he would try Chrono Trigger, but you do make a very good point with his. Did you did you did you use the word hatred of pixel art? No, or... I don't think it's a hatred. I think it's more just like if he has a game with pixel art and a game without pixel art, he's gonna go with the game without the pixel art. If it's in front of him, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I mean the 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 
uh, the the most JRPG games that I have playable experience with are um, Final Fantasy VI, Chrono Trigger. I've only watched Seven and Seven Remake, and I've watched a little of some of the Persona games. Oh, those are mm. wonderful. Yeah, I I think Wyatt would be averse to the uh, the turn based bit in Persona. <laughs> yeah, it's and it it was hard for me to get past too at first, but I think it's mainly the um, just huge. I mean, like humongolo gungus. I mean, big hongolo bongas uh, story that just all the Final Fantasy games have. No matter how just crazy it is, I don't know, it always seems captivating to me, though it takes a while to get into. But yep. uh, I, I think Chrono that's like Trigger, the case with most wow RPGs is it they often just take a while to get into. Yeah, yeah I would love to see some Chrono Trigger Wyatt reactions. I was I was gonna <laughs> say I'm gonna I, I guess triple down now on on Chrono Trigger because and not not only is it like like literally the checklist is there for for him to just look at it and not like it because not only is it pixel art not only is it and like an older JRPG, but it literally has Dragon Ball Man behind the art, which yeah. is like a big <laughs> anime name, and that's that's enough for for and, and like even doesn't... within anime. Um, oh, what, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Toriyama. Toriyama. Yeah. yeah. Toriyama's style is still divisive. Like, really? Uh, yeah. He, he got he's gotten away with same face syndrome for the last oh, like yeah. forty years. <laughs> Oh, I, I think he's got some some great like creature designs, but his oh, totally. his human designs tend to kind of yeah. I don't know. I just, I played Dragon Quest Eleven pretty recently, and fantastic game, wonderful, uh, generally very good. But the the character designs, while many of them are amazing, a lot of them are just like elongated man <laughs> with very oh, large rectangle eyes. That's right. I played Dragon Quest Nine. Oh, that's a good. Or was one. it seven? Same difference. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I like. Yeah, there, there's a cluster of from. Uh, I feel like seven to ten is, it's same face syndrome, but for a game. Yep, I get that. And I, I think the the most frustrating part is that like, not only is is there on the surface many things for him to dislike it is literally the game that he has asked for <laughs> chrono trigger is at least of like a story being told like over like like a huge swaths of time with yeah. um I'm, I'm thinking of the word i can't think of the single word where it's like you can affect things like by doing something in the past and then you see butterfly effect the, Cause, cause and, causality, causality, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it like it's literally like him, him describing what he wanted from Chris Tales, a game that he also won't play when it comes out. Um, <laughs> is literally just there in Chrono Trigger and probably legitimately one of the greatest games ever made. I, I have uh, something to tell you, Brett. I've yeah. never finished Chrono Trigger. Oh. Well, I, okay, I've I've finished it, but I've 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 played it through once, right? And it takes like, a really long time. I played like, like twelve endings, six hours of it on on the mobile port, and I just couldn't keep doing it. Not because of the game, but because mobile is a platform yeah. I really just don't enjoy playing yeah. games on. At least like long it's, form games like that, and I just want to I want to get a good copy, but it's not on Switch yet. <laughs> yeah, got, and I don't. Got, 
don't bother with the Steam copy because I it'll, know. at least for me, it'll keep like crashing over and over again, Crap. not saving. If if it's not there, long. if there's not a, an updated copy somewhere within the year, I'm probably gonna revert to emulation. But just you might as well, yeah. Do the if you do the the DS version, it should be the same as the mobile and Steam versions because huh. there is extra stuff that they add. There there are animated cutscenes in the in the mobile version, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Those are those are really nice looking because those are all done by uh by Toei, so they, they oh. look just as nice as as uh, Dragon Ball Z does. I'm oh, salivating. That's, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, that is uh the one big JRPG with the original Final Fantasy VII that I've yet to finish that are just sitting there staring at me in my backlog. Although now I have seven sitting on my Switch waiting, so that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I also want to talk in general about like some some differences between the style of game that we we tend to talk about on the podcast uh, versus the style of game that Wyatt doesn't tend to talk about <laughs> on and the therefore podcast. We don't talk about, <laughs> <laughs> and therefore we don't talk about because we like to have things that we can all kind of contribute to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that means we've been let off our chains, and so. Of course. <laughs> We've all played we some, some Japanese games. I, I know, Alex, you're partial to the Professor Layton franchise. Oh. I am in love with it. Actually, speaking of the, the mobile uh, porting of games, I was, you know, I was really happy that they were that, that a little bit more life was brought back into them. And um, I believe uh, when, when they re-released re Curious Village, the, the, the first game, on iOS and Android, uh, it also came with some extra animated scenes uh, that weren't in the original. That's but, uh, impressive. But unfortunately, touchscreen, uh, not too good for a lot of the puzzles. It was very stylus-based. So. Yeah, yeah I definitely want to pick up a copy of the, uh, the DS games at some point to play through. I can lend you mine since you're, since you're back. Oh, that would be... I would love to yoink those from you at some point. I think I have most of them with me. Um, but yeah, that, that's another franchise I would love to see come to Switch because I don't think we have. I think we might have one on Switch, but I don't. Yeah, think yeah, you have the the most recent one, which is um, oh, a latent detective agency. Mm, yeah, and then there's one that was um, iOS exclusive, which wasn't really a Professor Layton game, more like uh, more more like oh, what was it was kind of um. Ace Attorney meets oh Phantom Detective, Ghost Detective, something like that. Oh, Ghost Trick. Ghost Trick. It, ghost it was trick a little bit a wonderful game. It, it was a little Ghost Trick uh, meets Ace Attorney, and it was completely. I don't think it was canon at all. It was still fun. Yeah, and that's um, that's another interesting topic to talk about when you mention canonness. Um, because uh, I, I don't know if you two know this, I assume, Brett, you've probably run into this idea before with having played a lot of JRPGs, but uh, canon generally means like a, a different thing yeah. in Asian oh. countries. Like, ca canon-ness doesn't really matter. Um, it, it's the reason that like doujin games are such a big thing. Uh, because the idea that like characters have a set story is just not really a thing. Oh. Um, which is also why, like, uh, minor spoiler for Age of Calamity for anyone about to play that wants to play Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity. I'm not spoiling the ending or anything, but 
Um, that game was often marketed as if it was a prequel to Breath of the Wild. It is not in any way a prequel to Breath of the Wild. It is an alternate uh, timeline, um, which is still no. fun, and you still get to see a lot of fun character interactions and stuff, but it becomes very clear pretty early on that it is not a direct prequel, uh, which bothered Wyatt a lot. Um, and I do admit, as for it me, would. It, it's not, are... it's not the, the best thing, because it is like... We are... Go ahead, Alex. We we are on his anti episode. So. <laughs> the Wyatt anti episode. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Age of Calamity, uh, b- because there is still a lot of potential for like a Warriors game being an actual prequel to Breath of the Wild. So it was a little disappointing to see that like it didn't fill in the gaps of what happened leading up to Link being asl- asleep at the start of Breath of the Wild. So uh, it's a little disappointing, but not in the way of like the game is bad, but in the way of I would still like to see that version of events. Um, but Age of Calamity's version of events is still really fun and enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> I think for Wyatt, not having a big cannon has kind of killed it. I, I, I kind of doubt he's going to finish that game. <laughs> oh, well. It is very long, though. That's also part of it. Uh, so, Brett. Yeah. You've been playing some games recently. I have been playing some that, games that a certain member of our our cast typically would not enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what specifically? Because there's I, I'm thinking of like three things. I was thinking of Ace Combat. There's a bit of a cross section here. Because <laughs> I'm I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of Wild Arms Five, Metal Gear Solid Two, and and yeah, going through Ace Combat because I always play those. Um, but yeah, um. I I've I've uh I have I have I have kissed the afterburner of this game series many a time on this podcast. Um and in doing so I've probably like wrung out almost all the interesting things left for me to say about it until we do the special episode. Which um, is coming very soon. Which is coming very soon. Um but yeah, he uh that is that is not a Wyatt franchise and it's a like, cause any every time, like, cause I I like thinking of things to to recommend to my boys, cause I like seeing my boys be happy playing things that that they might not have seen before, and be like, oh wow, this is a good recommendation. And then um, we are bettered as people. Exactly, and why oh, cool. is of course a huge, a huge narrative stan, as <laughs> as we'll say. Um, and I like, I, like one of the one of the coolest things that Ace Combat does through its game is like managing to tell a super interesting super political and emotional story through what is basically just like an arcade flight sim that you know if the story wasn't there it'd still be fun but the The story just elevates it it, yeah it elevates it by at least seven nukes oh seven sahalanthropuses (laughs) (laughs) the weapon to surpass metal gear uh (laughs) Course. Oh boy! And actually, you mentioned Metal Gear, but Wyatt has played some Metal Gear. Um, has he? Yeah, he's played, played Metal five, Gear Five. Okay. Which makes sense what, of the Metal yeah, Gears yeah. that he would play. But what, what did he think of Five? If I remember correctly, and Wyatt can yell at me later if I'm wrong, I, I believe he liked a lot of the gameplay. Um, but part of it is that like stealth games generally aren't his thing. Oh. Uh, 
Um, oh, that, that's and I think he thing. also was in general just kind of confused because like the narrative is very hard to follow if you're <laughs> if you're yeah. not familiar with uh, Metal Gear lore. It still has like a through narrative, but it is certainly there's so much deeper. Yeah, they, it, it you lose go. a lot of the the connections to other things and like the character arc of the boss and, and the Kaz and everyone if you don't have that connection to the older games. Um. And especially, I, I think, I don't remember if he finished the game. I don't believe he did, but he got pretty far. Uh, and if he had finished it, he'd also probably not like the fact that the game kind of ends just randomly. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of stops. Oh, yeah. In terms of its narrative. Yeah, so it's missing the third arc that was going mm -hmm. to kind of round out all the loose ends. The, like, big bad arc and whatnot was completed, but um, the finale of what would have been, like, managing all the, the elements that had been set up to be somewhere um, just kind of vanishes which you know is, is evidenced by all the issues going on with Kojima and Konami at the time but uh, it would have been nice to see the rest of it yeah Metal Gear is an interesting thing too uh, but I specifically wanted to bring up Project Wingman too because having played both Ace Combat 7 and Project Wingman back to back uh, Wingman does some really really fun things with narrative yeah yeah Especially because it's literally just like Wingman doesn't have cutscenes. <laughs> it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah. No, it has no cutscenes. It's it's all the pre-mission briefing and radio chatter. Oh and wow. And I I don't know about you, Brett, but personally, I found it much more compelling than Ace Combat Seven. Definitely, yeah. the The story in Wingman is is way better than Seven's. Yeah, and and that's that's interesting because Seven, you know more about the characters at the start of Seven. They they do a bit of a wind up of like what the world is like and everything. Wingman just kind of tosses you into it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that worked in its I, favor. Well, is, is everything, are all of the, the Project Wingman games taking place in the same There's universe? only one. There's only one Project Wingman game, and there are seven Ace Combat games. Oh, there are oh. more than seven Ace Combat games. Well, yeah, in, in the, more than seven total, and I think there's also like nine or something that take place on, on Strange Reel, in the Strange Reel canon. Yeah. And there's like three that take place in real life, and we don't talk about those. We don't mention um, those ones. And and on the on, we'll we'll get more deeply into the comparison, but I still want to bring it up here so that people don't have to wait like two weeks or whatever. Um, but like, I Ace Combat Seven had a really like troubled development cycle, and I think that on top of the point of the game, I think kind of being like, oh, one of these hasn't come out in, like, the for a mainline story in 10-ish years. Yeah. Uh, oh, so we should probably bring new people to this, into this genre that we used to be pumping out games for left and right. Um, so I think they had, like, a lot more, like, setting up to do on top of all the fan service that they wanted to give. True. And Project Wingman was just like, we know who this game is for. And they're going to love everything yeah, we put in it. That's true. And they were like super confident about that. But there's actually there's something about Project Wingman and Ace Combat 7's relationship that I do think is very interesting and something that we don't often see. And that is uh, the idea that a Western developer is taking a lot of ideas from a Asian game. Which often yeah. does not happen. Um, yeah. We're starting to see it more, and that's it's starting to be very exciting. And I would lo also love to see the reverse. Like, I want to see more Asian games taking influence from Western media. 
Um, like right now, with like the big example is always Dark Souls. Of it takes a lot of uh, tropes from like medieval fantasy. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but man, I would love to see some more uh, things in modern AAA productions that match up with uh, a lot of the like Japanese aesthetic and in general like non-American aesthetic. Um, it's also why I was super happy to see uh, and a game why it actually does like is Raji that like little indie action Prince it. of Persia style game that, that was teased or not teased but uh, launched during a Nintendo Direct that is like from a uh, Indian studio doing Indian mythology and Ooh. is very very interesting and unique to look at and just like doesn't look like anything you've seen before because it's actually a unique setting. Like it's based off of stuff that we just don't tend to see in games. Um, and I really want to see more of that just in general. Yeah. But primarily the uh, the stuff I want to talk about is like Wingman has some environments that are far cooler than I think anything in Seven, and I think that goes for a lot of. Uh, games in general especially that take influence from like the over the topness of a lot of japanese media uh like i don't know if you guys have ever played a xenoblade or some of the final fantasy games do the same thing where the environments just look insane yeah, yeah. like nothing you would ever see anywhere remote to real uh i want to see more of that and <laughs> like yeah. give me a mass effect where the planet is just like living collapsing in on itself or something <laughs> oh yes Play um, Outer Wilds. I have played Outer Wilds. It was wonderful. Alex Labella, play Outer Wilds. Is it on Steam? Y yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. But yeah, I, I, the indie scene has been doing a lot of that lately, and I really want to see, like, I would love Dragon Age 4 to just show up with something insane. That would be so oh. sick. <laughs> I'd, I'd love for that to happen. And I know Bioware is capable of it because for everything people say about Anthem, Anthem had some small elements of like map design and overall in environmental aesthetic that were pretty unique. And I hope that that is not what they take away as the thing that should be cut from their portfolio going forward. Uh, because Anthem had a lot of problems, but I actually think the environments were... Uh, not the level design, but the environments themselves... Could be pretty cool. Yeah, the actual the actual visuals themselves for for Anthem were pretty pretty sick looking, which yeah. is why you know like that's the thing that brings that people sold people on it. That's, yeah, that's why you you got such a huge crowd of people to disappoint. Oh, um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I point to Anthem and No Man's Sky both as examples of that. Like, people get sold when you show them weird things that they haven't seen before. Yeah. And sometimes you can turn that around and make something really cool like No Man's Sky has done. Or you can abandon it forever like Anthem. <laughs> yeah. Which I actually, I don't and remember then... if we mentioned that, but Anthem has been abandoned. <laughs> if, Officially. if we actually did forget, that would be really <laughs> yeah. It's not if this is its mention. No one really cares anymore. No. <laughs> so it's not that important. But officially Anthem was dead. officially ended. <laughs> Anthem next no. is canned. Not that anyone showed up to the funeral. No. Yeah. Everyone already left. So um, <laughs> that's an interesting situation, but go on, Brett. Uh, I was I was just gonna say I'm I'm definitely of the the same mind when uh we talk about like the the kind of 
interweaving of uh i don't even know like what to like call it because it's almost like especially with with things like uh raji or like doing things in a very like like feudal japan setting or something like that like that's it's there's a very like ethnic quality to it but it sounds weird when i say it like that because it sounds like i'm gonna say something like like insulting or like like some weird like core class phrase or something (laughs) but that is what it is because it involves like a culture's personal history and stuff um and i love seeing more of that and i love seeing modern interpretations of that to like bring people into like oh like what is this what is this thing symbolize oh is that like an actual like deity that people like believe in or something now we'll go into a wikipedia rabbit hole for the next 16 hours learning about this this whole thing that just looked really cool on like a wall panel in a game or something like that absolutely there there, there are some god i remember doing this for a project a while ago there's there there, there are a couple pretty notable um like south african game dev studios yeah and, are. and their takes on um I think what I saw mainly were um, uh, side scrollers, but it it was uh, really interesting that the, the 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 types of mechanics that they came up with that you know I just never would have thought of. Yeah, it's also I I think just a huge thing with game development in general is that a lot of game developers uh, push for diversity, and some people will see that as just like pushing for diversity for diversity's sake, but. I, a lot of the real reason is that, like, you need those perspectives to come up with fresh stale. ideas. Like, you you gotta have someone on your team who can go, like, this is dumb. <laughs> yeah. Try try this instead. This is really cool. Uh, or... And yeah, a lot of Western studios, or at least AAA studios, tend to kind of smother that environment. Um, I'm, I'm happy to see we're moving away from that in general. Like, a lot more because unique it... ideas have been shown recently. Is that because of the fear that it's not guaranteed to be successful? Probably, yeah. yeah. So I, I think part of that is America's like constant push for like the stock market and yeah, public yeah. companies trading, making sure that you're always showing not not steady profits but steady growth. Like it doesn't matter if your studio can sustain itself forever if it's not going to be able to grow. When in reality, like I think a lot of game developers don't necessarily care about making their studio bigger or more fancy, but would rather just be able to sustain themselves making things that they like. Mm. Um, oh, Reddit has showed what they're capable of. And like I think you can see when like <laughs> some indie devs, especially, manage to do that successfully. Like I, Stardew Valley is always a good example. Uh, Minecraft when it first came out, oh. like oh, yeah. it, it really shows how how far a person or group of people can take a game that they really care about. Uh, and that leads me into flawless segue, Final Fantasy fourteen. So Here we go, we've made it. I know you the two, most unwidable game of all time. You two have not <laughs> played Final Fantasy fourteen. No, I but have I not. heard Final Fantasy And I am 14. now going to tell you, you should both, once you have a chance to just sit down and vibe with it, try the free trial, because it includes all the wild story stuff. Uh, all of it. You can go all the way up to like the last couple of expansions, I think. So cool. I I wouldn't be running into my character if I played that part, would I? What do you mean your character? The 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 story? Oh no! Yeah, absolutely okay. not. You'd be fine. Um, that is a, a much further in the game. 
<laughs> instance. Okay, and okay. also it's an MMO with a lot of side quests, so the odds of you even <laughs> managing to find your character Don't. would be insane. Don't test me why I no, not Wyatt. Oh god, I'm sorry. Don't oh, test me no. Ryan. <laughs> yeah, because I wanna uh to just like commend the game for, for doing that. So a lot of Final Fantasy and a lot of JRPGs in general have a have a distinct moment where you're playing the game, everything's going as expected, you've got your airship, you've got your crystals, and then something happens. Something happens that makes you go, huh? Wait. No. Excuse me, you can do that? And then you're just wondering, like, what can they possibly do from here to make that, to, to explain that situation or, like, uh, where is the party going to go after this? I hit that point in Final Fantasy XIV. I finally finished the, uh, the baseline story of the original um, release. And it had a moment that went... Because it's a game that, like... You could consider these minor spoilers. I don't think it's going to affect anyone's enjoyment. Um, and it, I'm not mentioning any characters or whatnot. But for most of the time, it's an MMO. It, it tends to pull its punches with like things like character death and whatnot. Like You're generally not going to see a main like voice acted quest giver die because they probably have more to do um you're generally not going to see like characters change a lot because the environment needs to be static for a lot of players so that way they you're not getting like environments that are drastically changed so i went into the end of realm reborn thinking that that would be the case right they're not going to do something so crazy that like everything is turned on its head right because it's an mmo you need to have these things be accessible I was completely wrong. They went crazy. I don't know what's going to happen anymore. I've, I've lost everything. I have no clue what's going to happen, and I'm so excited. Awesome. <laughs> it is a feeling that I think the last game to do this to me was Persona 5 um, in, like, Yakuza 0. It's so rare that I always have to, like, shout out any game that manages to do it. Uh, and especially because, like, man, it, it is just such a good feeling when you hit that kind of point i i think i've only ever actually gotten that feeling that's it's it, it's yeah it, it's more of like be, beyond what a typical twist can do exactly where a game just completely pulls a sneaky on you i mean in design and terms I, we're actually the, the term that we tend to refer to that kind of stuff as is a game changer instead oh, of a twist makes sense yeah <laughs> um but I, I've only, yeah, really experienced that in JRPGs and other games similar to it. I, I think the only, like, Western franchise that has managed to consistently do it is Mass Effect. Um, oh. Mass Effect has got a few moments that would I would probably stack up with that, especially if you get bad endings in Mass Effect. <laughs> oh. Uh, you hit some of those points. But, yeah, 14... Uh, hits a point where I think they realized that the story was starting to kind of stagnate and they were like what can we do to introduce new new characters to this world um, make it a lot more interesting kickstart this whole deal because like by the end of Roman Born you've kind of dealt with the main threat and so at that point you're left kind of wondering well what what's next like we, we killed the god threat so what what is the next oh. thing not actual the gut not like the actual god it's not a normal <laughs> JRPG where you do it, fight the literal god at the end. Uh, yeah, it, it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> but you fight like a huge threat that it, after the point you're just left being like, huh, like what is next? And then the game like slows down and you're like, huh, we're left with the fallout of now 
basically collapsing a nation, which means there's refugees. There's oh. a bunch of like random magical catastrophes happening. And it just makes you like deal with the fact that turns out there were consequences for doing the JRPG and thing. <laughs> and it's all your fault. It's not even that it's all your fault. It's that there's very little you can do about it. Because you realize like that 14 does a very good thing with managing how many enemies you're fighting. So a, a lot of normal Final Fantasy games, you're constantly fighting like hordes of creatures and whatnot. Um, 14 just, does I've, a good I've... job of limiting that. I've only seen the um the the boss battles that you showed me has regular is regular combat in the same almost top down ish format as that or is yeah, it yeah. um it's MMO combat you can change the camera angle as much as you want oh okay uh, it actually does have a first person camera oh <laughs> bizarrely enough if you're insane huh. yeah if you really <laughs> want to do that to yourself you can do that I think I am insane <laughs> yeah but there the uh, the wild thing is that like. 14 has these things called trials, and what a trial is, is one boss fight. The entire instance is a single boss fight that you have to queue up and find a party for. Sometimes you'll get in an eight-person party to do it. Sometimes a 24-person oh. <laughs> to fight one boss. Oh. Why do I think so you're going to need all fun. 24 people and then some... <laughs> Because it, it really sells the idea that, like, your character is powerful, but they are not, like, God. They can't overcome most scenarios in the game without allies or help. And, and that means when you are brought low by certain story events, like, you actually have concern of, like, I legitimately can't do anything here. Like, there's, n there's nothing that the game has set me to believe that I could do here that would help this situation. Which is, is rare for a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, usually uh, they don't, they don't they don't do anything like that. They they certainly emphasize you know the power of friendship, but that's not to that extent. Yeah, it, it's great. Uh, very much worth trying that that free trial. That like I've been playing the game for years at this point, on and off, and have not hit the end of what the free trial offers. So uh, it is very generous. <laughs> Since this is the anti-Wyatt episode, how how often in 14 would you see there's the yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So that 14 is, I think, a little better at it than like 7 Remake is, and that characters aren't often just grunting randomly. Uh, but at the same time, it's an MMO. A lot of the dialogue is done through text boxes because they can't you can't voice act an MMO with that much narrative in it. Can you um, imagine? Yeah, <laughs> the undertaking it would be. A lot of it would probably be. Pretty they bad. make good decisions of when to voice act. Like all the major scenes are voice acted, um, and as the the expansions go on, you you get to the point of like ninety percent of what you're doing is voice acted. Oh. It's just like the side quests and stuff that involve characters wow. that are like one offs or um, less intensive, more like goof off type stuff. Generally, won't have voice acting. Uh, but all those main scenario scenes do, and uh, something to mention with that is that they, they do an interesting thing in that they completely change voice actors for everyone at the end of that major sequence that I was describing. Oh. Because uh, that's when the first expansion came out, because the original voice actors, there's a lot of names that people know, a lot of people that do a lot of anime, and Dare they have I that ask. sound. Dare I ask, is there a canon reason for the voice actor switch? 
Uh, no, no, okay. it, it is. It is not that kind of scenario. It, it's a scenario of they were using an American dubbing studio that had a lot of people that you would see in your, your common Funimation dub or something. They swapped to a British studio mm. at the start huh. of Heaven's War, which was the first expansion. And everyone immediately got a lot better. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, because I think a lot of what happened is when 14 came out originally, it was a dumpster fire and got completely canceled. The director yeah. left the project. They added uh, Yoshi P, who is like Naoki Yoshida, who is uh, the like director and producer for 14 and now the producer on 16. So. That man basically like single-handedly restructured the project to fit his vision, and they were also giving it to him as like a test of if this fails, we're just going to cancel it. So it's impressive that I they brought it back to canceled. this point. It no, so F F fourteen is the reason that Square Enix is not hurting from Avengers failing, because um, that those sub costs are covering the losses of Avengers, which is uh, interesting to hear about. But yeah, so so that team had a little under two years to fully remake the game, <laughs> like oh, all Jesus. of it, and that's why a lot of the main story in the the base game is not voice acted, is because like you have to make some decisions yeah. in that time period about no what time. is important enough uh, to voice act. But as soon as the patches and whatnot started, they like fifty plus percent has been voice acted, and it's getting higher the further you get into it. That's pretty cool. But yeah, it's just the uh, the way they handle their narrative is very impressive. But it also is still very hard to recommend because it's an MMO, and if you don't have a tolerance for MMO things, you're still probably not going to enjoy a lot of what the game has, and you'll have to do you have to do stuff like dungeons to progress the story. So it does have that that downside at least until the expansion where they let you do all the dungeons on your own with the AI party members of all the characters from the story. So. That's convenient. It's fun. Um, but yeah, I, I've talked a lot now. So who else has a game they want to talk about that, that Wyatt would traditionally shake his head at? I know you have both played many a game that Wyatt would dislike. How? Because I actually don't know this. How, how, is, how, is, how is Wyatt, how is our man with Jank? He hates Jank. Because I was, I was, I'm really, I'm still like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Like, remember, the first... remember, think back to Tsushima, the camera, how much yes. of a sticking point that was for Wyatt. I, I am thinking. Tsushima? He doesn't he does hate like it. Tsushima, but not as much as us. But like his, his Tsushima got... is like a seven or eight. Well, he, yeah. he, ha he has the Wyatt curse where that happens to him. He has so the Wyatt often. Syndrome, yes. Um. What does my... he have a magnetic field that like, disorients? <laughs> corrupts the hard has, drive of any console he uses. <laughs> it, it, it rusts the hard drive around him. <laughs> um, but I, I'm I'm still like, because I was thinking about it after we talked about Metal Gear for a little bit. I feel like if if we tried to make him play the original Metal Gear Solid, oh wait, the, not, the pixel version. No, not not the not Metal Gear one, like Metal Gear Solid on the PS One. Ah, okay. like the the. The first solid one. I don't think. I don't think he'd make it. I don't think he'd make it through. Because again, the story and the voice acting and everything is is great. 
like I, I even even though I'm I'm playing two right now, I still want to go back and and play that one again. Yeah. Um, it is just like not not jank because bad, but jank because old. And boy, howdy, <laughs> I would not have a very fun time. By that order, I think regardless of um yeah once again regardless of story he'd probably have uh uh yeah he would not have a good time trying to do the first deus ex yeah and it's also a combination of them being stealth games too which yeah. i think oh, yeah. he traditionally right. doesn't enjoy that, that much which i get um because like stealth games are, are definitely up certain people's alleys and not others and that's just like a given with the genre because they're they're slow uh, the pacing is generally much much more methodical than your average action game. Especially if the stealth is bad, too. Then you have to deal yeah, with a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense. But yeah, the stealth it, is bad in a stealth game. Oh. Ugh, you'd be surprised. Yeah. I mean, it's also weird, though, because Wyatt like, admonished the stealth sections in Tsushima. <laughs> for not being stealth enough. For, right? for not being stealth enough. I'm like, if they were more stealthy, it would be much less fun. Because <laughs> they want you to be able to to use the combat system uh, it's, it's, it's a very good i think i think it's a pretty decent example of the the versatile stealth system in yeah. The yeah. where you know you're able to re-engage in, in being hidden and it's also like people constantly say that ai having those timers to essentially go back to their patrols is dumb but when you as soon as you don't do that the ai becomes a lot less predictable yeah and not in a good way yeah. If if you can't nail that perfectly, it is often not in a good way. I think the, the like still the only games that have managed to do that and re- retain some semblance of success are the Thief games. Yeah. Yes. But even like Thief is not a big franchise. Like those games are not system And sellers. even then, it's just maybe the first two that are Yeah. Definitely not playable for Wyatt, but playable I mean for for um for me in a story. I don't know. I actually find it. the first two hold up pretty well because the, the art direction was very good. Yeah. Um, Even for, you know, graphically they're, they're brown pretty, and black. They're pretty rough graphically, but they, they make very yeah. good use of lighting and uh, push hardware as much as they could at the time. But yeah, it, it's a, I think stealth in general is just a, a divisive genre. Especially for our man. Though I will say, I did watch, I went back and watched uh, like a movie cut of Metal Gear 1 with all the pixels and everything, and it was glorious. It's so much fun. (laughs) It's so good. It's such a good dude. I like, I don't, it'll never be, it'll never be in that situation where you could just like, where it's, it's, it's like a Star Wars movie where you could talk about Darth Vader being Luke's dad, like left and right, and no one cares. It'll, 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 it'll never be in that situation. But I just, I just want to talk about all the things that happen. I just, so bad. Even though, like, it's, it's, it's in that, like, weird valley where, like, everyone that, everyone that already cares about it has already played it and knows what happens. And then no one else is going to. Yeah. And I know the, the franchise is kind of dead in the water yeah. until. Some agreement is sorted out between Konami and Kojima, which will likely never happen. So, yeah. But hey, we got which... Death Stranding from that, and Death Stranding is super cool, <laughs> just I... for being unique. I need to play that game. I just need to have enough time where I can really just sit down and just yeah. like be be absorbed by by the 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 walking sim. 
because I, I love I love walking sims and I know that that's I mean, that not is just... the most advanced walking sim exactly <laughs> it is it is hyper walking sim it's a carrying sim <laughs> it is the walking sim except walking is as difficult as combat in most games <laughs> of course and then there's also combat and yeah there's also combat but if you kill anything everything explodes so <laughs> don't worry about it um and also I don't I don't know I don't know how uh it's Kojima's storytelling is is a weird thing to to like pin down in terms of like thinking of like like essay buzzwords to describe it as because it's not it is it is very over the top but also very like western in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, but I think he, he follows a lot of filmmaking. He does principles. Yeah. And that man does his research too. Like even if it's just like, even if it's just like slapping you in the face with a million different names of just the guns that the guys in front of you are using, like it just like no other game does that except for like the ones where you have to select them for your loadout or something. And th this man is like giving you all the how how helicopters work and then stuff like that. Mm. Um, and I, I, I and think... will then also raise them into the air with psychic powers. Yeah, of course. Oh. <laughs> Same scene. Um, I, I, I don't think that sort of that sort of over over the topitude, as we'll call it, is is up Wyatt's alley. I feel like that gets into some kind of I like it is it is some fine cheese. Like that is some wonderful, wonderful corn that comes out in in Metal Gear and and Metal Gear Two's stories, and I don't think they're up his alley. Yeah, I, I guess the, the way I would explain that to many people listening is that when you're playing a game and it gets super over the top, I I think there are a few different reactions people will have. Some people will see that and be hyped as all hell. That's where I fall. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where probably all three of us fall. Um, with Wyatt, he sees something like that and he'll go, but this doesn't fit in the world. And that's a valid concern. But I, I think it's just like what kind of, like why you play games is where that'll kind of come into to yeah. play. Like he, he's, he, and, and with that, I think he's affected by the game designer curse. <laughs> yeah, of judging everything you play. Yeah. Much like how I'm, sometimes unfortunately affected by the game artist curse i'm just like oh look at that seam and the texturing tangent mm, yeah yeah that too yeah or, so i, I think oh, that's I what i can see the polygons um a good example is we, we've been watching wyatt stream ff7 <laughs> remake his reactions to finally playing it now that it's on ps plus which is a lot of fun uh but man he he some of the things that i think Alex and I have have very much enjoyed about watching or playing that game. Wyatt will will see and go, huh? <laughs> and just like uh like Cloud's hair really hangs him up. And I get that. But at the same time, it's spiky hair dude. <laughs> it's, it's fun to have your spiky hair anime boy fighting with a giant what's, sword. What's not to like if you're not Wyatt? What is not to like about fighting a giant house? I mean, <laughs> not to like about a, a, a crazy motorcycle chase. The yeah, motorcycle the, the chase. Motorcycle right chase with the motorcycle chase was Pompadour great. Man. Oh, Wyatt's reaction My to God. motorcycle chase with Pompadour Man was so disappointing. What a villain! <laughs> he he was not happy about that segment. It made me so sad. 
Because I was, I, as I, I think I was the only one that hadn't watched or played like that far in. So I was just looking at. It, I was like, I, I don't know if this is. I don't know. I don't know the consensus on this. I don't know if it's actually good or bad. It looks cool, but I can't play it. So I don't. <laughs> I don't know. And then, and then Ryan came back from like making food or something, and I was like, uh. Dude, what's going on right now? <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's this part. This is awesome." And I was like, eh. <laughs> "It's not very mechanically interesting." Oh. It's a motorcycle chase through a tunnel, and you're fighting a guy with a huge pompadour. And, and it happens one time. Like you, you do that one, maybe two times over the course of the entire game, and you do. It's maybe ten minutes long at the most. Uh, I like. I would rather have variation than it all be mechanically very good. And I'm a systems designer. So. That's the thing, right? Because like, on on the one hand, okay, I guess you're 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 moving around left and right, and like maybe changing speed or something, and then pressing pressing button to swing sword. But at the same time, you are going like 120 miles per hour down a sci-fi tunnel with beautiful Dude, lighting. And if you're paying attention, you can dodge every single attack in that scene. And you have like a seven foot long sword on your back, and people are shooting at you, and you're not dying how awesome is that i don't care that i only press one button if it feels cool that's sick i'm in my brain doesn't have to be like occupied with like a billion like parries and button prompts and crazy like stuff going on like sparks flying everywhere like if if i just do one thing and the one thing is cool i'll do it over and over again for the one segment that it's there for yeah and, and i'll be happy and man that is brett you need to play yakuza zero if you haven't the mini games in that game are often the level of depth of a game in their own right. Is that the one with the Mario Kart? That's that's Yakuza Seven, okay. which is also great. Um, <laughs> it is more of a, a standard JRPG. Uh, but yeah, like I, the thing I always love is I love mini games and like random stuff. And it's interesting seeing why it's reaction to the darts game in FF Seven. So much, but he didn't like going the motorcycle. <laughs> He spent. He's got the highest <laughs> score possible in the darts game, but he didn't like the motorcycle chase. <laughs> oh, he did finally get the high score on the darts game. He he didn't get he the did. highest score possible, but he tied oh. Wedge for high score, uh, which was yeah, good. I thought, I thought I saw him at the top, but I must have. He was at the top because he he beat Wedge's score by he might have beat Wedge by one or he tied. Um, but he still did it enough to get good. Which is, yeah, I, I love when games have those weird side things that you can do. Especially, like, I, that's generally JRPGs. It's pretty rare to find those in a lot of Western games. And, like, that, that's always the, the disappointment with, like, your Ubisoft games or your, uh, your, your Bethesda doing Skyrim again kind of deal. Because, like, as much as people generally didn't like Oblivion's speech wheel... It was at least an interesting idea. <laughs> and but now it was we different. Have Skyrim the board game. Yeah, but now we have Skyrim, but you click dialogue prompts to do everything in the game. <laughs> Which can be a lot of fun, but like, man, I, I wish there was something in there, like the arena yeah. fights in Oblivion, where you could just go to an arena and bet on fights. Um, it's just the, the kind of fun thing that serves no purpose aside from just being fun uh, that a lot of Western games just tend to not do. And like that's also when people like advocate for removing things from old Mass Effect games, like the Mako stuff. Yeah, the Mako stuff was janky, but it was still fun. 
fix it then. Don't like take it out. Make it better so that it works as it was intended. And even then, you know? like the Mako was horrendous to control, but it was still fun to watch it go flying off a cliff and like <laughs> bounce around like a rubber ball. <laughs> so I, I will take my enjoyment from it, um, despite it being a little janky. Although I do have a higher tolerance for jank than a lot of people. Uh, just being as intellect design as I am, sometimes the intent of a system is is more effective for me than the uh, mm. the system actually working fully. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's something I definitely do want to see more in a lot of Western games. Uh, and, and just like I think this mostly pertains to like RPGs of having weird extraneous side activities that don't serve a lot of purpose. Yeah, I think that's weird. Weirdly enough, I think that's like kind of part of what's like turned me off from like Western RPGs for so long is that there's just like a different the like the 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 scale for the amount of heart that is in like a JRPG and a Western RPG. Like they do not they do not match. I I just feel like there's so much more like like energy and oomph and 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 heart put into like all the different things that happen or or that you can see or do in a JRPG and then I look at all the the western RPGs that are on, you know, on the docket or whatever possible for me to play and they all kind of like look the same and apart from yep. maybe like some people that go like, "Oh, I played this one for like 500 hours. This was my life for like one year and I didn't do anything else but play this." I go Good for you, bro. Um, this is this looks gray. <laughs> yeah, they, they just kind of all look like gray, sad, gray times. and brown, and maybe the occasional green is what like, you get. Just give me, give me, give me something good to eat, man. Like, give me something that isn't in all the other ones. Give me something, and it, it's like, I, I'm I'm not even tired of just like the the Western like medieval sort of thing because things like dark souls do that in ways that western devs didn't until dark and souls it, came it's out it's not to say western devs can't do this cuz infinity blade exists well it weirdly exist. enough infinity blade the mobile game existed and had a wonderful sense of like aesthetic and design it was gray and brown but there was the light everywhere <laughs> there was like it was tech. the first time yeah it, it was the first time that i saw that combat system too which um which still has not really been successfully emulated in anything that yeah. is not like a dumpster fire. <laughs> uh, the only game I've like seen it. successfully emulated is a VR game called Until You Fall, and that is like the only game that I've seen run with that combat system. And man, I would love to get another mobile game that like does Infinity Blade as well as Infinity Blade did. Or just, you know, re-release it. Yep. Just put the game for sale again. That'd be great. Please. Please, Epic. <laughs> Bring it to Android. But yeah, uh, I I I wish some more devs w would see the the like, and like Morrowind exists. Morrowind's another great example of oh. like. Would Wyatt not like Morrowind? I I think Wyatt does like Morrowind. Uh, oh. But I, I'm just talking about aesthetic. Okay. For and like the the grayness of RPGs in general and, and a lot of Western games. I think where it tends to come down to and like the reason for that split between. Western and Eastern uh, ideas is 
a lot of Western studios are, are constantly pursuing maybe not realism, but pseudo-realism and like really trying to, to limit the amount of suspension of disbelief you have to use to stop thinking it's a game. When in reality, I don't think games need to make convince you that they aren't games to get you attached to characters and invested yeah. in a story. It's, it's uh, I think, yeah, uh, get, getting into hyper-realism almost. Um, exactly. I think it, it's getting to the point where um, how like, we, we had, be, before photography, be, before the invention of the camera, there was painting. And, you know, with painting before the camera, people tried to get as realistic as possible. And then the camera came into existence and it wasn't necessary for painting to be photorealistic anymore because photography was there to do that. Um, and I do actually have to give Ubisoft props uh, for Immortals because Immortals took that idea and ran with it. Maybe not to 100% success because I think the character models are still really weirdly proportioned and not quite... They're, they're a little too uncanny valley to, I think, sit well with most people. Not but, stylized correctly. <laughs> yeah, the environment itself is beautiful. Like, you have these weird, like, floating structures. You've got the themed areas of the different gods all look very unique um, and aren't just, like, copy-pastes of what you would find in, like, Assassin's Creed. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, we're definitely getting some more of that, but, man, I, I what I really want to see is Bethesda kind of run with that because I feel like that's been a consistent problem with Oblivion and Skyrim now, and, like, Fallout 4, is that they're, they're yeah. just not getting weird enough with the environments. Like, we really need to see more stuff that's just take this concept and then run with it, and, like, what can you think of that makes it very clear that this is a video game? Like, you don't need to stick to realism all the time. They, they may have had more, more, somewhat more colors in their color palette for Fallout 4 compared to Skyrim. But I think it was still very much overwhelmingly stuck the, brown, <laughs> stuck in the you know the overwhelmingly brown 2011 game mindset. Yeah, and junkyard aesthetic. Lots of junkyard aesthetic recently, uh, and I can knock Final Fantasy VII for that too. The remake has a lot of like gray brown environments. Clutter is, is not an excuse for character. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely want to see more of that. And we'll probably talk more about that kind of idea next week when we're going to be talking about um, the the ways games differ from other media and like how they can totally, tell stories. Yeah. But in general, I think what we're saying is just like take advantage of the fact that you're a video game. And yeah. a lot of Western developers seem to be afraid to do that. What is the shame? Because we're for like we're we're still in that in that weird rut. You know where like everything's trying to to push everything to be more um, realistic, like you said, and it's that's just not that can't be the point. That is not the point at all. Because you know what, I'm gonna be real here. Real life sucks. That's why <laughs> we play games instead. Video games are escapism. Don't <laughs> make it any closer than exactly. it needs to be. Like sure, there's there's a total like total merit to having like. Like have your characters look as real as possible or whatever, but like, and maybe you want to do like a realistic drama or something like that. But at well, like a military point, shooter, like it's in yeah. that case you do want to be fairly realistic because like you're trying to ground yourself in reality. But but even like at 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 some point, like I'll be I'll be playing uh the the 
whichever Modern Warfare it was, the last one that came out. I don't know what the the subtitle date is. I don't care. The one the <laughs> one that has Warzone in it. Um, and and my girlfriend just like walked in the room and she was like, "Why is like why is everything so tan and sad?" And like I wasn't even in. I w- I was in the city, the the cold Russian city. Uh, but like it can't be Russian, so it's not Russian because the Russians got mad when the game came out and uh, didn't let it get released. But anyway, um, and I was like, I don't know. That's because that's 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 just what buildings look like, right? And then she looked at me like I was a crazy person and said, "No, you idiot. That's stupid. Real life isn't that sad looking. Real life has color to it, and it the game isn't real, so it should have more color than that." Yeah, like I don't know. Even games that are pushing realism's like. I, I, th- give me something to look at. If there's nothing interesting That's on the screen, I, again, then... I gotta push Yakuza. <laughs> yeah, Yakuza's dude, got dude, that is color. A, the, all the way back to the PS2 games, like those are some like amazing looking city blocks with all the neon and the different signs that are there. Like, whoa! That and you is might be thinking, like, oh, those are very video gamey. And then if you look at the spot that's actually modeled after, it's the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like all the neon, all the the crazy colors and whatnot are exactly what the place looks like in real life, and it's like there are places that have color <laughs> and aren't just drab. But yeah, that, that's a consistent issue with a lot of games. I I love indie games too that go away from it, and there are games that can make use of a subdued color palette. Like a recently, Loop Hero is a little indie game that came out oh, that yeah. has like a very it, it's modeled after CRT era. Um, low resolution games and it's got a very limited color palette uh very like orange blue gray it still looks wonderful in movement because they stick to a, a style that is very unique and like yes it's not super colorful but that's it doesn't matter because they're they're selling their aesthetic uh, and oftentimes the, the pursuit of realism leads people to think they don't need color <laughs> when they still really should uh, and like Horizon Zero Dawn is a great example of like the success of that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, wow! Like they, they they just took everything and injected <laughs> um, different colors and whatnot into the world. Uh, but yeah, I I do I just want to see an RPG that's got like blue grass. You know, give me something weird. Just have fun with it. I played Monster Hunter and they did that and it was great. <laughs> so. <laughs> I just want to see more. Like, give me a forest that doesn't that's not green. <laughs> yeah. Or just like has like I now now I'm just thinking of like this this entire time I've just been thinking of Hyperlight Drifter, which is not a realistic looking oh, game at yeah, all. Wonderful. But it has like it has the 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 classic like snow mountain, forest, beach area, desert zone. And like all of them are, are like non sequiturs to their to their normal counterparts. Oh. And I'd I would love if only there was a there was a, a 3D exploration game that would have if things that looked like only that. Only there was a 3D game called Solar Ash. <laughs> By the same people. <laughs> the only people who are capable of making a world look like this apparently. I, which Haven, is not true. Haven's got yeah. some some great direction. Haven is really pretty. Um and I like that um this is this is so wildly off topic by this point, um, but I, I like it's, that kind of. Our topic this episode is is just Wyatt not here. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, we can do whatever we want. 
I, I I like the 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 lower poly kind of three D cartoony style that a lot of games are going for for their characters now. Um, Haven uh, is is the example at the forefront of my of my brain, but yeah, Haven's a good example. Uh, Absolver is Absolver. a classic like weird looking game that just has a lot of interesting character designs. Still a little too gray, but <laughs> dude. Ashen. Ashen. Ashen's environments are amazing. I remember being breathtaking by that game. Like the it's, forests are like like blood red. Oh. And it, and it still has the, the very nice overall I guess I'd describe it as watercolor. Yeah. yeah. 3D modeling. Definitely. Um and again, Project Wingman got a, a nice consistent oh, yeah. aesthetic. People complained about the orange, and the orange is fixed now. <laughs> It was actually too colorful, and they had it to was tone it down. Too colorful. That's a good problem to have. Always better to be I, too I, colorful than not colorful enough. Yeah. I feel like that could be a problem if you're you're flying around rapidly, switching between. Oh, here's the ground. Here's the sky. Here's the ground. Here's the sky. <laughs> oh, it was especially when the yep. sky was orange and the ground was orange and the UI was also orange and the <laughs> oh. are also orange. Oh. You know. <laughs> yeah, it was very orange. So they they changed it. Um. <laughs> But it, it, that was only for like one level or something. Yeah, it was. Um, it was like the the final boss fight, and then one other level with all the volcanoes. That was a uh, yeah, yeah, iffy. With all the volcanoes, volcanoes are a very important part of Project Wingman's story. And actually, I do got to shout out another game. I know why it would not like um, because it requires far too much, far far too much patience and time. Uh, Total War. So. And, and weirdly enough, Total War's most fantastical-looking games are not the fantasy games. Um, really? Yeah, so Total War does historical and Warhammer games now. Um, the Warhammer games look very interesting, they're very unique, but they, they still kind of pursue realistic designs and whatnot. But I've been playing Total War Three Kingdoms, which is a historical Total War game, but they really, really lean into, like, Chinese parchment and the map looks like a, a Chinese painted map um, as it fades away until you get more detailed and then it suddenly looks like a 3D model of like the classical uh, mountains that you would see in like an animated movie about that oh, takes place yeah. in China. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it right even now. Even in like Steam. battle, the units don't necessarily look fully realistic. They almost look a little more cartoony. Uh, that's not to say they don't look realistic, but they they tend to have a little more color. Um, the the blood like super strikes out when it's against something. Uh, your your hero units always have like these huge like colored scarves and whatnot to denote where they are, uh, and the animations are like super bombastic. Like fire is just very very bright, uh, and the ground is like not gray <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> Uh, and the UI is just it brush strokes, so it's like you can totally do realism or or a realistic setting, but add inject culture into it and like things that that make it look very visually distinct. Uh, and like a good example, Total War also did the Troy game, which has was free on the Epic Store, and that has a, a the map looks like a classic Greek um, like scroll on a pottery. So Ooh, very nice. Some some wonderful stuff. Done in both those games, dude. I, I I gotta I gotta stick with it. Another great example of that exact thing. Tsushima depicts Absolutely. real life in in such a way that is like breathtaking. 
Yep, convince like, that oh is my probably goodness. my favorite art direction of a game last year. Same, same for me, but for like ever. Although technically, we can say Tsushima won our Game of the Year award. Nah, it was Game of the Year last year. So, oh, there we go. Tsushima <laughs> um, and Thirteen Sentinels he just wrote. I still can't believe that one fucking snuck through. I broke the rule, I'm That's sorry. That's okay, it's okay. But I'm so surprised. Wow. <laughs> I still can't believe that it snuck through. Oh my who, god. Who voted for it? It was Ryan... Well, I, I voted for it by default. Uh, yeah. The, the problem was no one else voted for Hades, so... Hades was left on the wayside. Which is a shame, because Hades is also I, amazing. I am a sucker. For JRPG or visual novel stories, I had to. Yeah, uh, and that segues us perfectly into talking about Thirteen Sentinels. He just <laughs> yeah, here we go, baby. Uh, which oh is a game I think God. all of us have like some some form of exposure to. Uh, I've played through the entire thing, and hundred percent of that game, it is wonderful. Uh, Alex, I, I believe, has more watched exposure to it a bit. Um, Brett, I, I also think you've watched a bit, right? I have watched most of the most of the character stories. Uh, the guy, because we did this thing that I, uh, that I said earlier, where um, one guy was playing it, and the rest of us were all kind of like together, trying to piece together mm. like the the mystery and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what happened is that he he just got to the point where he had to do a bunch of. Uh, a bunch of battles that it all stacked up because he didn't care because the story is so good that yeah. we just kept going with the characters as far as we could before we had to do a bunch of fights. So the game does do a pretty good job of, of limiting, forcing you to do the fights at some point before the oh, end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sure if we did them when we were quote-unquote supposed to, we wouldn't have ended up with a little mountain of them, but there just came a point where we were like, what's going to happen next? Oh, we have to do like a couple hours of these things first. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the combat also has some great narrative stuff to it, but... Yeah, that game is a, a type of game that will likely not happen again for a long time because the people, even the people that developed it are, are pretty iffy on doing that again because it took like nine years yeah. to make. And it was a small team. I think it was like it was like nine to 29 people over the course of its development. Oh my God, Ooh. really? Um, yeah, it, so it was a small team working over like nine years to make this passion project essentially that's a, a completely original game. That's the other thing. We need more original games, but mm -hmm. uh, it was just passion project from Vanillaware, who had done Dragon's Crown and Odin's Sphere, Leaf Fifth Year. So, wonderful developers that have done some great stuff, but nothing at all like <laughs> what yeah. Thirteen Sentinels is, of like a game that primarily consists of just walking around and talking to people. And occasionally fighting like a, a turn-based tower defense style battle, not turn-based, a real-time like tower defense type of battle. Um, but is also like super in depth with the, the story. It tells like man, just to somehow rope in every single sci-fi trope, and mm -hmm. somehow make it make sense, and be really good. <laughs> and every single anime trope too at the same time. Yep, oh. it's it's insane, and and all successfully. Like not a single time. Did did any of us go like, oh, that's that's stupid. That doesn't fit. That's weird. Like all like, oh, that that's what's happening now. Okay, cool. I'm in. Yeah, it's like the the worst thing that happened to me is that like one particular character, I just really wasn't vibing with their story because it was just a little 
a little boring. And then it got to the end of that character story, and everything was turned on their head. And I was like, it was meant to be that way. Exactly. They roped you in. <laughs> they get you to Surprise! think it's bad, and then suddenly they're like, "Ha, ah, we we meant to be that way all along." Uh, which was a great surprise. Um, and yeah, it does a great job of like you can kind of guess certain plot elements, but it it is near impossible to guess where yeah. the game is going. So even though you, you'll likely get some stuff right and you'll piece things together, and the great thing is you can piece things together in completely different orders based on how you play the story. So like I watched someone else play the story and they got a completely different set of information first because they played different characters. That like completely fundamentally changes how you view other characters, and I didn't do that first. So like for a while, I thought it was just a normal game. Like I was just like, there's a there's a robot running around, but that's like the weirdest thing there. And then I played another character, and it was just like suddenly everything else is imploding. So yeah, super interesting storytelling methods. Very very fun and very uniquely Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> that, is that not deck a game could not come out of else. any other country on this planet. It could come out, but it would not be nearly as good. Like it, it would well, be yeah, essentially fair. fan fiction if it came out anywhere else. <laughs> It'd be pretty awkward if that yeah. was the case. Uh, it it would basically end up being one of those like like dollar forty nine cents visual novels you can get on Steam. Yeah, it would be the same caliber. And I do got to push for uh, more of those uh, very Japanese style puzzle and like detective games. Like Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, or Ace Attorney, yeah, uh, Professor Layton, uh, Ida Somnium Files, Zero Escape, those kind of games. Oh, just, why did I forget about those? They don't even come out. Nothing like that has ever come out of a Western studio. <laughs> Unless I'm completely missing something. Um, L.A. Noir maybe gets kind of close, but is is like far more realistic and doesn't really go into the like the existentialism <laughs> aim, the like Evangelion esque emotions that most of those games like explore so i mean what well, in professor layton i think that was one of the very first and and few games that made me cry just from the soundtrack oh man yeah and like i the somnium files is another Full game orchestra. i can absolutely recommend would, would be great to do the third and sentinels type thing of like watch someone play it and try to figure out what's happening because it does the same like branching narrative where you have to play through all the roots to kind of understand what's happening. Uh, yeah, super fantastic game. And available on the Switch, which is always a plus in my mind. <laughs> Love to see what, what is it, unique Switch games. What is it with... Oh, sorry, did you... No, that was it. That was done. Okay. <laughs> um, what, what is it about... Because um, this, is, this is something that I think is extremely... Um, Japanese to have in in a piece of media they are like almost overwhelmingly existential compared to the stuff that that we put out in in games and movies and stuff over here I feel like it's like we we definitely get um western games that are I I would consider deep but nowhere near as and and I guess it it comes from the same like over the top thing compared to what we usually see from uh western creators that they just get so much more um like existential and 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 philosophical like from western philosophy but in in a japanese game or movie or something like, i don't know it's just it's just weird that we don't I that we don't see that from the place that the philosophers came from 
it it comes i uh my guess to that is it just comes easier in, in their culture it's more they're more open yeah i'll actually eyes. i'll make an, an no. adjustment to the the statement that was made because actually we do see that from some western games but not from american games uh we see a yeah. lot in like polish and oh yeah you're, you're right and like right, german right, right. like pathologic uh, the witcher goes into a lot of existential stuff and my my like fledgling history fan fiction take on it <laughs> uh, as someone who is like pretty into history is that i think legitimately this is where it comes into play that america is a young quote-unquote country yeah, and doesn't have a super lengthy back culture of like um, religion that isn't Christian of, of like Buddhist practices of uh, the idea of like meditation and whatnot, which comes in the Japanese and Asian side of like many games will explore those thoughts because those thoughts are like an everyday part of life there. Yeah, like it's the the classic like Shintoism, which is like the Japanese quote unquote religion is less of a religion and more of just like a way of not a way of life but like a set of of traditions that you do school of thought yeah it, it is it, same thing with buddhism like buddhism isn't quite the same as a religion like christianity or uh, islam it, it's more of a sort of way of viewing life and i think having those different views really affects that uh and, and of course in the case of like european countries Europe has a has super long history of philosopher, philosopher, philosophical thought and um, just philosophizing in general. <laughs> so I'm not surprised that we get a lot of games like Pathologic out of Europe and like Stalker is another good example. Um, all, all generally focused around like post-apocalypse, apocalyptic settings, but yep. I I think that's primarily just we don't really tend to get that out of American studios. I'd be curious if that also ties into the whole canon thing with Western mm. groups of like mm. a lot of American uh, players. I think are more interested in like character stories and the the pl the overarching quote unquote plot of something yeah. and like seeing an interesting story. Whereas I think the perspective in some other areas is more like I want to feel unique things. Unless I want to see unique events. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, a good way of putting it. And yeah, like I definitely get both pathways. Like I, I don't think every game needs to be existential at all. Oh, totally. In fact, I would totally yeah. hate it if they were. But... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like sometimes you, you need a game like Skyrim that isn't going to bring up these huge world thought processes to like uh, basically make you panic. <laughs> Like sometimes you just yeah. want to chill and explore, or or see a story that that doesn't have a greater meaning. It's just a story about characters. Yeah. Would Would you say that the 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 newest God of War game is is a little bit of that in between? I think we'll see. Or is it? I no. I mean the the one that's out right now. Uh, four. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of yet to be seen. I still think it's more of a character story. Yeah. It, it is kind of self-aware of narrative because a lot of what they're doing with the narrative and like Wyatt, of course, this is something Wyatt would have a lot to say on, uh, so I don't want to go too deep into it. But basically, they're taking a lot of preconceptions that were made from the older games and kind of turning them on their head and like doing a lot of meta character oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's still yeah character and, and story focused, not really... 
And I, yeah, I do think they are touching on some existentialism, but I think that's almost more of a side effect of Norse mythology in general. Of like Norse mythology yeah. is very focused on the concept of let like life and death is like a cycle that there is always an ending and there's always a beginning, and it doesn't really matter like where in time that is. Uh, whereas like yeah, that's a pretty unique aspect of Norse mythology in that it's very. Um, the the way Norse culture or Norse mythology handles time is just very different from any other <laughs> way that time is perceived. And yeah, I think God of War plays with that a bit, which is fun. Like the idea that the, the mythology isn't chronological, it's more just events that happen at some yeah. point. Yeah. All right. Any other things that we want to talk about that Wyatt would specifically not enjoy? <laughs> um why it would uh hate playing uh xenogears because of all the other reasons <laughs> that all the other jrpgs were mentioned um but also because uh the poor the poor one guy who had to do the localization was in fact only one guy and oh. therefore there's a lot of slip-ups in the in the script and I feel like he would definitely be one of those guys to just point every single one of them out and be yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm taken out of it now. Yeah, I, I definitely, I get where Wyatt's coming from with the uh, the immersion issues. Although, I, I don't know, I'm always an easy person to get convinced of a setting being the setting of the thing. Like, it, it takes a lot to make me drop a game because yeah. of, like, uh, suspension of disbelief. Like, very, very rarely will I drop something because of Whereas... Riot, Wyatt has one wrong camera angle, and he's uh, <laughs> no, he, he, he won't down. drop a, a game with one wrong camera angle, but he'll complain about it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> he will and then not we'll, let go. And then it's cyclical. We'll complain about him complaining about a camera angle for a long time. And then so. yeah, and then it'll it'll remind him to complain about it again because yep. now it's in his head again. And here we are in one of those steps, but he's exactly. not here to hear it. <laughs> Uh, to be honest, I've, I've been playing Breath of the Wild lately, which is a game that Wyatt does like. Uh, but man, it has camera problems. Yeah. Of not like awful problems. It's better than a lot of games. But the fact that you like need to lock onto something to dodge, but you don't lock on if they're not in your oh field of view, yeah. and a lot of enemies will just jump behind you. So you need to somehow like turn around, but you can't do it quickly by locking on because you can't lock on if you don't see them, and then you can't dodge. So, <laughs> you're just kind of wandering been, around. Has that been the case for all, like, 3D Zelda games? No. As far as so, the lock-on and so. goes? I mean, it has been, but it's been less of an issue in a lot of the others, because a lot of the others are a little bit more designed to openly, like, control where you're fighting things. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, is, like, a side effect of Breath of the Wild being super open. There are always going to be some problems with any approach to game development, and that's kind of like a side effect of the openness, is that it's a lot harder to design those combat arenas. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's that's one thing I've been noticing, is that Breath of the Wild's camera is, to me, a lot less tolerable than Tsushima was. Um, it's not definitely not affecting my enjoyment of the game, but it's like it's noticeable that I have to kind of account for the camera not working. <laughs> It, it did actually much of the time. affect my enjoyment of the game. So Although I do gotta say, I love me some motion controls. I know that's a controversial opinion, 
but aiming with the bow with the motion <sighs> controls is so good in Breath of the Wild because you just you can quick scope people <laughs> with just Jeez, flicking I your hand. I thought this was the anti Wyatt episode, not the anti Brett episode. God. <laughs> I don't. I don't actually. I think Wyatt doesn't tend to use motion controls, but <laughs> I don't I, think I he, he actively hates them. them. No, I played Days Gone with motion controls on the PS4. It's like the only game I've seen make use of of the PS4 gyro controls, and it worked really, really well. <laughs> oh, here, here I am being a big fan of Skyward Sword. <laughs> we'll we'll see what Skyward Lucky Sword's reception you. when it comes out <laughs> is. I'm so excited to see people that have never played that game before <laughs> react to the control scheme. Especially using the right thumbstick if they're not doing motion controls. Oh, it'll be something. It's like No More Heroes occasionally does that, and it's very, very weird. Really? Huh. Yeah, not for main combat, but for like certain elements. You have to like move the control stick in specific ways, and it's a little bit janky. Like a QTE? Yeah. Or, um, QTE, uh, but in the style of like you need to point your, your stick in various directions. Mm. Uh. You know, like a good old-fashioned lightsaber clash, except you're you're circling your save uh, your circle pad continually to try and <laughs> match directions. I, I had a Star Wars: The Clone Wars lightsaber dueling game for the Wii that was motion controlled, and I and also you know what it. I realized what we need to we need to do to make this truly why it's personal hell. The prequels oh. are not bad movies. You know what? <laughs> they're, they're a fun watch. They're they're pretty fun. I, you know what? Nah, yeah, I'll rephrase my statement. They're 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 pretty bad movies, but they're fun to watch. And I generally have more fun watching them than the sequels. I I was you know what I finally oh yeah finally oh, yeah. <laughs> prequels finally. are prequels are orders of magnitude better than than the sequel because like, the prequels the are goofy, but they don't ever openly break the yeah. physics of a world <laughs> they don't obliterate up. everything that was set up over a massive multi-billion dollar franchise which is funny that that bothers me when i also say i'm the person that can like totally get over a jrpg doing similar things I... but generally jrpgs don't make a point of pointing out that this is like a thing that you can't yeah. do <laughs> i mean midichlorians sure palpatine <laughs> <laughs> Palpatine, because <laughs> that that is that is the thing, right? Like stuff like midichlorians is like, well, that's that's frustrating. Now this mystical thing like has a has a has a, a tangible scientific element to it that makes it inherently less less magical. But there, there's gonna be it's gonna be harder to you know wave away things by saying you know like oh a wizard did it exactly. But then they literally just did a wizard did it with Palpatine. <laughs> I don't understand. Oh my god! And you see, I'd be okay with a wizard did it with other things, but but doing it with Palpatine just invalidates a lot of character arcs that happen. Yeah. And you know, it's the same problem with what Luke was doing at the start and his whole the weird revelations and whatnot. Uh, no spoilers for the actual movies if you, if you are somehow have not seen the Star Wars sequels and care. <laughs> <laughs> But Small man, subsection. it really feels like they completely forgot who uh, Luke was at the end of Return of the Jedi and like yeah. what his goals were and just decided, you know what would be more interesting if we subverted expectations? Subverting expectations yeah. is great when it's earned. <laughs> yeah, doing it, doing it for 
plain old shock and awe value that isn't warranted. Yeah. Big old stinky poo-poo move. It's almost like they tried to turn Star Wars into uh, a like highfalutin show of, of, of quality and distinction. And it's, we're not generic fantasy anymore. People want generic Star Wars fantasy. It's, the, yeah, that's what, it, the, the it was universe never meant to be something more than just generic space movie. It just did generic space movie the best. Also, hot take: Ahsoka is probably the best character in Star Wars. And oh, I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's it's a, a hot very, take for Wyatt. Very easy. Thing. What? That's Look, a very easy conclusion to come to. I, I think. I think people often will correctly say that Ahsoka's very annoying at the start of the Clone Wars. And guess what? That's the point. She at gets a lot better. She Wars. learns. Yeah. She changes as a character. There's it's like Sokka in Avatar. Sokka's insufferable at the start. Oh, yeah. But becomes one of the best characters in the show. So, I won't I defend rich. Jar Jar in the Clone Wars, though. That's too far. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was recently watching a video where, where someone breaks down to a scientific uh, film uh, filmography level why the last airbender movie is the worst piece oh of cinema God. in the history of the world I, I, even, even <laughs> why it would agree that's <laughs> insufferable oh, yeah. oh we can't see that would be why it's personal hell is watching that movie on oh repeat oh yes i think a, we found why it's personal winner. hell why it's personal hell would be a sequel I mean, to be fair, that would be my personal hell, too. The only way I could get through it was by watching Wyatt watch it. <laughs> no, you know what? The true personal hell. They make a sequel. It's really good. The only issue is that they still mispronounce every single character name. Ong. <laughs> would you look at that? I'm feeling physical pain from a conversation we're having. So you're, you're watching a really, really good movie, and then suddenly Katura turns around and says to Soka, hey, look at Ong. <laughs> and then, of course, Toph walks in. Not Toph! Oh, no, no, I knew it was going to be Toph. And then, of course, there's, there's Zuko. Zuko. <laughs> what, about, what, about, what about Soka's secondary love interest, uh, Soki? Soki. I hate this. This is this this is this is hell. This is no longer a personal hell. This is a public hell. Oh oh, Azula's sidekicks. Uh, you me mean Azula's sidekicks? Azula's sidekicks. Me and Tyler. This sucks. Oh my god. This is horrific. I, I I'm in physical pain from this conversation. <laughs> if if I may go back to something that was yep. previously said, ahead, please. <laughs> um, I uh, cause you. You mentioned uh, a pretty a pretty good point, Ryan. That it was it was weird how like the, the over the top crazy out of the blue things in in something like Star Wars sequels are like on on paper could be considered like the same sort of thing yeah. as like the crazy over the top things that happen in like like anime or something like that. And I think the distinction is that like you you you. you you guys like said it perfectly. They just they forgot what characters they were dealing with. And usually in 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 an anime or a Japanese game, the crazy stuff that happens is usually in service of the characters 
Like there's usually a huge buildup to a character finally being able to release all of his power that he's been like saving up or like his anger that he was trying to hold back or something like that. Just for like the, the shonen examples or like, you know, um, uh, a, a character that has been proven to survive multiple gunshot wounds, uh, slamming a man's <laughs> head against the wall so hard mm. that it turns into liquid. Oh, like God. A ski mask. Um, <laughs> but like, bringing up Black Lagoon, are we? <laughs> seeing, seeing someone who should have a have attained like teacherly, masterly respect and and gray Jedi all knowingness taking his his and his father's old weapon and just throwing it away like that's not that is not in service of a character that is going directly against yeah the what the character would i mean ray is always the classic example of like i think ray as a character is a great starting point and then she just stays there like she never changes she doesn't grow she learns to use the force in a in like an hour. She learns yeah. to use a lightsaber the same hour she learns to use the force. Uh, it's difficult for her. And again, I want to make it very clear this has nothing to do with Rey being a woman. Ahsoka is my favorite character it's, in yeah. Star Wars because she earns being powerful and a badass. Like There's character development through not just the Clone Wars, through multiple series. And like Ahsoka even has a, I I read Ahsoka's book. So there's a book about Ahsoka that's very short, um, but it's narrated from her perspective, and it's her dealing with like situations that they would never be able to do in like the TV show because they are far too difficult. And like that is how you take a Star Wars character and do a piece of like media that is a lot more down to earth and like grounded in in like negativity. And, and cynicism than the sequels are like because it, it is taking things Ahsoka does and like Ahsoka is still Ahsoka she's always doing things that Ahsoka would do she reacts the same way but you see more of her thought process like when she sees someone die she's like that is awful but because she is like the only less Jedi that's still left she deals with it and like has to, to realize that it's not a problem and she makes decisions that are, are interesting and yeah, it's it's the kind of thing that like was not present in the sequels. But uh, but but what if uh, what if she could just um, like like revive them and 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 bring them back to life? Wouldn't that wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, but what if see what if they what if they took turns reviving each other and then it didn't work anyway? What if they kissed for no reason? Look for no reason. I again. I'm not gonna say character. There was names. no tension there. That was unwarranted. Hmm. I'm not gonna say any character like endings, but Kylo Ren is by far the most interesting character in the sequels, and also the and most they did wasted. Him dirty. So wasted. So much they wasted did him potential. Dirty. <laughs> Which is a shame. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. I am Star Wars is is disillusioning me, and then of course the Mandalorian comes out and earns it again. So. Mm. I still need to watch that show. I, I, I haven't seen past the first two episodes. Oh, it's good. I was watching, um, oh, God, over a uh, break. Um, I had one of my best friends from high school over for a while, and we binged the entire second season in yeah. 
Well, we, we split it into two days. We, we were going to split it into three, but it, there's just such a hook towards the, um, toward, towards the end of the second season. It's, uh, yeah, there is a Mandalorian is, is a good example of how to do things right. For a lot of their parts, I still I do agree with Wyatt that they they rely a little too much on characters that exist and like setting up other shows that really don't oh, need yeah. to be set up. Like Ahsoka, Ahsoka is a famous example of of like she's in an episode of The Mandalorian. It's not a spoiler because they, they've openly talked about that many yeah. times. Um, and I don't know, it's her her presence there is of course fun because I love Ahsoka, but it's also at the same time like she shows up and then it's just kind of gone. <laughs> And there's a weird, there's a bit of, of, there's like a secondary plot segment in there that's really cool as someone who likes the characters it's about of like in Star Wars Rebels, but it doesn't really fit with the Mandalorian. It's like, this isn't something that we needed to be introduced to through the Mandalorian. I think, I think Star Wars, uh, Disney in general has that issue now (laughs) of they're trying to introduce everything. Bringing back things that might not just don't have to be there. I was going to say things about WandaVision, but we probably can't talk about that yet for a while. I mean, yeah, we can we can say WandaVision. I, at least it was a lot of fun to watch. Like it was I, thoroughly it was enjoyable. Good. I don't know. I couldn't get past the second episode. Well, I think a lot of that depends on on your tolerance for like sitcoms, weirdly enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why and I had a lot of fun watching it cuz like both of us will occasionally enjoy the trashy shit sitcom kind of deal like i will not claim that how i met your mother is good uh high tier television but it is fun to watch occasionally <laughs> as, as just a dumb thing that exists and watching wandavision riff on like 60s tv shows is very fun yeah I just think it's an interesting thing. And now that we've covered most of what Wyatt hates. <laughs> we've, we've somehow run out of things to say. Now, he, he has to hate more stuff than just this, right? That, that's what for episode ve- two of this, of this what, ongoing series. What vegetables does he have a grudge against? <laughs> Look, we're going to sit Wyatt down and force him to eat with chopsticks. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Can he not? I have no. Can I think he can. Not? I feel like he can. If he could, I want to see really him funny. fumble like a newborn giraffe. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he likes sushi. He just so. like stabs it into the piece of chicken, like just like just like one at a time, like it's a, a, a one pronged fork, like a like a like a preschooler would. <laughs> all right. Any uh, anything else we want to talk about while while we are all here and ready think... and and. Excited, maybe. <laughs> I, I, don't, I I think I think that's it. I think we've we've run. Yeah, we run the the gamut. Yeah. So I would I would love to extendedly talk about JRPGs more, but Wyatt is playing one right now, and I'm I'm going to want to hear his. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, probably disliking it. Take. <laughs> definitely oh, positive made, and unbiased. The, um, do you think he made it to the point? I, I cannot about. wait until, uh, like, it, anyone that, that's seen advertising for Five Fantasy Seven knows there is a scene in which a character that would not be normally be seen wearing a dress is wearing a dress, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that scene in the game is by far my favorite thing. Uh, it might be the, my my single favorite scene of any game last year, 
just in a vacuum. It was so much sheer fun. It's just insanity. Well. It's, it's earned. Well. It's earned. It's earned insanity. And I have a feeling when Wyatt gets to that moment where, where we're going to hear like back it. is <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> Guys, I did, that wasn't funny at all. Meanwhile, it's like the funniest line delivered in the last like five to ten years of anything. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited to see <laughs> Wyatt's take on Final Fantasy VII. Uh, and of course, he managed to spoil himself on the one thing we warned him not to spoil himself on by looking up videos. <laughs> Oh no! Wait, wait. One specific thing having to do with the original? Yeah, or with the original. The... Okay. Because really? okay. yeah. one of the reasons we we tried to get Wyatt to play FF Seven Remake is he doesn't know the major spoiler. I'm not gonna say it in case anyone thing that everyone knows though. wants to play the game and, yeah. and hasn't played FF Seven uh, or it's... the remake. There's a major spoiler that is equivalent to the Luke is uh, Darth Vader's son Star Wars spoiler for video games. And so more, everyone knows it. <laughs> there, there's more behind it, though. So if he just got the surface level of that done, I think he's still okay. Yeah, he's still fine because remake is weird. But it is a shame that he he did, went in. He's now going in with tainted expectations. <laughs> and will likely be surprised. Uh, oh, wait. So he doesn't know about the yeah, remake. He doesn't know what the remake differences are. Um, Perfect. At all. So. Perfect. I am excited to see his reactions. I mean, I'm sure he'll he'll give us a fully written out book report on Final mm -hmm. Fantasy VII if he finishes it or stops playing at some point. <laughs> He's startlingly yeah, far along. In yeah. So I think he might finish it, but we'll see. We'll see. I hope so. All right. So with that, unfortunately, Wyatt likes shoutouts. And... You know what that means? We can't do something that Wyatt actively likes on this episode. So, we are doing Shout Knots. <laughs> oh. Shout, 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 shout ins. ins. Shout Ins. <laughs> With whisper Ins. Oh my uh, god. Now, oh, no. what this is, is just, I want you to all call out something that you just despise irrationally. Preferably related to, to games or media that we've kind of talked about. And this can be a bad take. In fact, it should be a bad take. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be the Wyatt episode if it wasn't a bad take. Because if, if Wyatt might, might have bad takes, but we, one thing we know about Wyatt is that he hates bad takes. Yep, yep, so. yep, 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 yep. <laughs> oh god, I gotta Ooh. think of a bad take now. <laughs> So Wyatt, I, I got a I got a bad take for you that I think you're gonna if you're if you ever listen to this deeply deeply feel offended at, and that is that I fundamentally disagree that lin the linearness of Final Fantasy VII remake and JRPGs in general and the level design is a problem. I just don't think it's it matters. It's it's not the point of the game. It doesn't do anything for it being a better level doesn't matter because all you're going to do is go to a corner and hit an enemy anyway. What's the difference? It doesn't matter. <laughs> god. Oh my god. Oh. Hmm. Alright, who, who's ready next with their shout not? I can also say, uh, oh, here's a better shout not. Uh, the censoring Miranda in the Mass Effect Legendary Collection is not censorship. They're just changing a camera angle that was bad in the first game 
and it was just not good so they're changing it but of course media latched on to say it's censorship it's not censorship <laughs> it's changing bad design I actually don't think that's not really a bad take though that's a that's a pretty good take so that's that is a good take how, how dare you actually make a shout out <laughs> no, that, wasn't a, that wasn't a shout out it was still negative <laughs> These yeah. shout-ins are hard to come up with. I know, because my, my, oh my, my brain God. has built up a walls to protect myself from having <laughs> things that I would consider to be hot takes. God! <laughs> uh. I, I, know, I know one of you is ready. One of you's got a burning hot take. I, I can hot try something. Go ahead. Hit, hit I, can try, I can try something. Um... The, the anything that Wyatt would find personally offensive. <laughs> oh. Hmm. It doesn't have to do with games. Oh, that's fine. Uh, the, the half pretzel, half cracker Ritz are superior. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> now that is a hot take. I'm clutching my chest <laughs> in sheer shock and terror. <laughs> Oh my lord. Brett, you gotta top that somehow. I don't know if you can, but <laughs> I, I certainly can't top it, but I, I am I am required to to give the 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 last one. Um so I will I will I will double down on what I said before. Um that I don't care if I am truly if I am you know what, and I'll 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 I, I will I will quadruple down and make this even bigger than what I was originally gonna say. Alright. Anytime that you boil down anything in a game to just say, oh, it's just this. What is wrong with you? Everything <laughs> is just something. Everything is just pressing buttons. Everything is just a thing on a screen, okay? You say that, oh, well, this, this, this isn't, like, it, it's, this doesn't make any sense. This, how would you think this is fun? This is just pressing uh, a button at uh, a time or whatever. Yeah, well, everyone's favorite thing to do in Dark Souls pairing is just pressing a button at the right time, too. And it's and fun! It doesn't matter if it's just something. Everything is just something. Do you know what you are, buddy? You're just a speck of dust in the universe. And do you know I what know. this is? To you. And do you know what this is? This is the outro playing. As we finish oh. the episode and tell you all to listen to our podcast at 7 a.m. on Tuesday mornings or live, generally Sunday nights, occasionally Monday nights. Uh, but generally Sunday nights at 8 ish p.m. Eastern. Watch the show, follow the socials that are in the in the description, all that yada yada yada. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs>